You're listening to another episode of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. My name is Jane Warrilow and I'm so grateful that you're here. Now this podcast is about change and transformation, but not just any old change. We believe in change for good, which lies at the intersection of three things, personal, professional and social transformation. So come with us on a journey as we go behind the scenes with people who are making a real difference in our world. Each episode, we'll be diving deeply into topics that keep you inspired and at your best. Sometimes we'll be interviewing thought leaders, sharing tools and resources, and sometimes we'll be leading deep dive conversations, tackling the challenging issues of our times. Before I introduce today's guests, I just want to ask a favor. Would you please go to iTunes or whatever app it is that you're listening to and subscribe and leave a rating and review? I know us podcasters always ask for this, but it really helps us out. It helps us share our messages with as many people as we can, and it helps our guests get their messages out to more people. So thank you. Now, the title of today's episode is The Call to Spiritual Leadership, and our guest on the podcast this week is Fiona English. Fiona is a keynote speaker, coach, and consultant who combines her extensive experience in global investment markets with a deep interest in human potential. Alongside working with clients, she researches, speaks, and writes about positive psychology, the science behind what makes individuals and communities flourish. In 2019, she launched Exploring Spirituality, a series of projects aimed at creating open dialogue and conversations about spirituality in the 21st century to enable people to explore what spirituality means to them. Believing we can all use our skills to make the world a better place, she mentors social entrepreneurs, helping them to create sustainable businesses. So welcome, Fiona. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, looking forward to this conversation. I can't tell you. (laughs) So Fiona, we've only just really got to know each other, but I feel like you're a soul sister already. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot in common, that's for sure. We totally do. And, and I know I'm kind of aware that our listeners don't know you. So my first question is going to be like the very human one. Like, who is the human who's behind that professional bio? Tell us a bit about her. Sure. So um, where will I start? So I'm, I'm 40 years old. Um, and as my bio suggests, I spent a long time working in investment markets. Um, and behind that, I suppose I had a, um, a very fruitful career. It was a career I really enjoyed. Um, and alongside that, on a Saturday when I was at home, I suppose, having a cup of coffee, I always was reading psychology books. So I was always really interested in people. Who are we? Where do we come from? I was a big fan of Abraham Maslow. Many people know him because of his hierarchy of needs. And um, so I always had this kind of what I almost called a side hobby that I was interested in psychology. And within that, I was always really interested in spirituality. Um, but it was almost like it was a secret little hobby that I had that I never really shared with anybody else I was constantly and like when I say that to people now they're like oh, you were always a bit into that Fiona like because I'd always go to the Himalayas on my holidays or I'd do the Camino de Santiago in Spain but I wasn't really owning that part of myself um, and then about three years ago I stepped out of work I had trained as a coach um, and I just decided that this was a part of myself that I couldn't really ignore anymore and I wanted to do some deep diving and that, that started a journey which has led me I suppose to speaking to you and many other people and I do a lot of <laughs> I do, do a lot of keynote speaking work now and um, I went on to research positive psychology and um, my research topic was spirituality 
Um, and yeah, and I guess the person behind the, the very fancy titles that we give ourselves is somebody who I just feel the more I do work like this, the more deeply I connect with myself, the more deeply I connect with others, the more deeply I connect with my world. And I just feel very fulfilled and I feel called to share that with other people. So um, I think that you're right. Bios can make us seem so distant, but I'm just a person like everybody else who has a deep interest in a, a topic, feels that it really contributes to people's lives. And I want to open up conversations about that. So. Mm. That's great. And I love the way you talk about it as a secret little hobby because I can, so, <laughs> I can totally get on board with that. Totally. Oh my gosh. Well, here at Sacred Changemakers, you know, we often talk about the changes we take a stand for. So I'm going to ask you right up front, like mm-hmm. if, if you were to just give us a few sentences about, you know, what, what is the change that you take a stand for now in your life? God, there's many, but probably the one that I am most drawn to is that I feel it's almost that I feel the spirituality has been taken from us um, and it has been taken from us in a number of different ways. So obviously, like most people and research will show us this, I was born into a religion um, and I was pretty sure from the time I was about 15 or 16, even I know my parents say when I was younger, I used to give out about it as well, but let's stick with my teenage years that I was like, I don't fit in here. Um, I'm a woman and there doesn't seem to be a place for me here. Um, And also there's a lot of rules and a lot of telling me that I'm wrong in some way. Um, So I walked away from that, um, but that left what I kind of feel was a bit of a hole in my life that I probably spent about 20 years trying to figure out what what was missing from me and what was missing for me. Um, And when I look out at our world today, um, obviously I've taken one route to try and fill that spiritual hole for myself. But when I look out at us today and I see us destroying our planet, destroying each other, fighting with each other, using power in terrible ways, I just feel that we're a bit spiritually redundant in some ways and that we're struggling to find as a society, as individuals, but also as a a group of people, as, as humanity, if you like, what what is it that really fills our soul up? What is it that we're looking for? Um, and we've lost the vehicles or the systems or whatever it is that used to, we used to very naturally tap into that. So my big, I suppose, um, wish for the world is that we would reclaim spirituality for ourselves and not call it woo-woo or weird or anything like that and see it as just such a natural part of ourself that is an actual need without it we are we are hungry um, and I think that we just need to break down the barriers to speaking about it enabling ourselves to feed that part of ourselves um, and for me certainly I feel that the more in touch I became with that part of myself the more I felt connected to other people and connected to our planet in a way that I couldn't sit by and not do anything about it anymore. And that's why I've gone on to launch these projects to do further research. It's why I speak on on the topic a lot, why I'm on this podcast today, because there is a gap and it needs to be filled. And for it to be filled, it needs people to to step forward and say, there's a problem here and we need to solve it. And I, I, I love what you're saying. I mean, I can hear your passion like coming yeah. through your words. It's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, like, yes. Okay. I totally get this. And, and yet, you know, as you were saying that, you know, we've kind of spirituality has been taken from us. I think it's really interesting because there's a number of words like spirituality and we're called sacred change makers. So I think of sacred in that as well, that kind of have been, I don't know, kind of 
that owned, I'm going to say owned by mm. organized religion in some way. So when you say the word spirituality, for the benefit of our listeners, what do you mean? So that's a really good question. And actually, <laughs> when I did my, so I did my, my dissertation was on spirituality as a lived experience. So I was really interested in how does it manifest in your life rather than what does it mean? Because I think that that exact question is where we all start to go, well, it means blue to me and red to Jane. And therefore, yeah. we're going to argue about it or we're going right. to have a difference of opinion. But when I, so I basically asked people, what does spirituality mean to you? So that was the effect question I asked them. And I wasn't looking for a definition. I was asking them to tell me about their life and how spirituality informs it. Um, and what came out of it was three big topics. Connection. So they felt connected to a higher power or something bigger to themselves. That, that might take some people called it God and other people called it the universe, for example. And um, mm -hmm. some people called it a life force. Um, it gave them deep, deep meaning and purpose in, in their life. Like they understood why they, they were here. And, and actually, that's something that I think that we're seeing uh, globally. There appears to be a lack of belonging for people globally um, and I think that you know we see this rise in nationalism and we see this rise in like you know people searching for this solidity of identity but for people that I interviewed they were like well I just know I belong here I belong in the universe I don't need to belong anywhere else and they understood the story of their life yeah um, and then lastly, it led to what I would call a very authentic way of living. They, they really connected in with who they were from um, an authentic perspective. And I always tell people, like, you know, when people say, what is God? And I'm like, well, that's a question to answer yourself. But at its most simple level, for me, authenticity and the God in you are exactly the same thing. And I think that, mm -hmm. that it's, it's, our spiritual journey is to get back to that point, to get back to the truth of who we are. So it's kind of a long answer to your question, but I always lean away from saying, let me give you a definition of spirituality, because there's plenty of religions and spiritual um I suppose, communities that will offer you um, definitions. My answer to that question is always, well, tell me what spirituality means to you, because I think that that's a much more empowering place for people to be and say, Fiona English can tell you something that it means. Jane can tell you something that it means. But what's much more interesting is if you ask yourself what it means to you. Um, and that's why I set up the Projects Exploring Spirituality last year, and I teach courses on it now very much, with, and you will understand this as a coach, with a real person-centered approach that if there's 10 people sitting in the room listening to me speak, my mantra to them is, and you need to go away with all this information and ask yourself now, what does spirituality mean to you? But ultimately, I mean, if I was to try and bring it back, for me, it's the, the, the starting point for spirituality in your life is to connect in with yourself more. And then the answer starts to become clearer to you, in, in my view. Mm -hmm. um, and it can't happen overnight. And I don't think that somebody else can give you the answer. I do think that we call it a journey or a path because it's, it's your path. It's, yeah. it's who you connect in with. And likewise, I don't have a, like, I'm not trying to say religion is bad. That's not necessarily it. I've met people and spoken to people who have deep faith through their religion, but they feel very connected to it rather than just listening to a, um, perhaps a, a narrative that they've been sold, if you like. Mm. And I, I love the way you describe spirituality as a, as a lived experience, mm. because, you know, if I think back in my own life, that there, there have been times in my life where it's almost like I've, I've run away from, and I'm, and now when I look back in hindsight, I wasn't running away from spirituality. I was running away from 
like organized religion in a way and not wanting and almost did. And in that process, I think I naively detached myself Mm. from something that was really important to me. And I mean, one of the words, and I think in this space, we don't always have the language to talk about, you know, what, what we want to say. And so one of the things that might give you an insight into that is I think I lost my soul in the process Mm of (laughs) kind of moving away from. So I love that you talk about it in this way of integrating it into everyday life because if we don't have a sense of that we tend to think oh well that's okay for them because they're a priest or they're a nun or you know they've been to an ashram in India to do the spirituality thing and now I've got to get back on with life (laughs) yeah no for sure and I get that a lot sometimes I I turn up to um I turned up to speak to at a conference last year and I saw the man behind the counter do a double take of me as if to say you're here to speak about spirituality like I'm like where's as if to say like where's your kaftan or where's why have you not got beads around your neck or whatever so we do tend to like you know stereotype people in terms of oh if you're spiritual you must be this or if you're not spiritual you must be that so so I'm a bit I'm trying to myth bust there as well where I think that like you know I literally think what does it like really it can mean whatever you want it to make to mean Mm. and but the other thing I say as well is that like and you touched on it there as well a big part of religious teachings or spiritual wisdom or whatever you can call Mm. it is narrative so it's around the stories that we tell ourselves so or the stories that we're told or the stories that help us understand our lives so religion often gave us a guidebook for what those stories were and how we should get to know ourselves better and so on and so forth so when we do step away from that as you said you kind of you cut off a part of yourself that you don't have a guidebook for anymore mm-hmm. so it it is a difficult path to try and, and to find exactly what fits for you mm. and so I mean I'd love you to walk us a little bit through the path because Mm. I think what you've just said there is absolutely true we kind of like get we feel so I'm going to call it a call and I know that's in our title and we'll get there in a minute but I think we feel called for a connection with something and we look around in our community and it's like okay so maybe I need to go to church or maybe I need to go into Buddhist community or you know we look to religion for that and if we're going to step outside and talk about spirituality that's not part of organized religion then how do we even do that yeah and it like it really resonated with me what you were saying because when I look back like I would go as far as saying that I was resisting it for years Jane yeah there was a a deep part of me that knew that that a that I was ignoring a part of myself so I was going on like I'd go to Bali for a month on holidays and meditate and do yoga and feel amazing and then come back and pretend that I never did that like so (laughs) I was I was really struggling with where it fit in my life because there was a part of me that was angry with religion you know that I and therefore I was angry with that part and I I was I was despite myself like resisting the re-engagement so that that was the the first part if you like and I think that there was always a part of me that knew that it wasn't just a case for me I think I knew I was called and I know that we'll come on to this in a while I always think in the back of my head I knew that once I made the step into this space that it wasn't just going to be my spiritual journey that I was going to be called to let's call it lead I prefer the word guide but to to provide spaces for other people Um, and that was scary so I just decided that I'd ignore it for as long as as long as I could but I always say that your soul is like a magnet it's it's calling it for you all the time 
So you can only ignore it for so long. Um, and that's why people have existential crisis or they have a midlife crisis or, you know, sometimes therapy starts them on this journey. If you want, there's it often, there is something that triggers and um, brings us on the path. And for me, I would say it was building for a number of years before I finally left um, I was doing my I was being coached in the background obviously through my work and, and as you know that that starts you on a journey of your own in terms of who am I and what do I have to offer then I trained as a coach um, and then I went on a retreat about three years ago and it was very evident during that retreat and actually the guides on the retreat said to me this is your calling. And I was like, I know. And now I'm absolutely terrified. Like, you know, <laughs> so, so it took me, it took me a good while to accept that. And I always say it's not like a calling is not like, you know, I woke up one morning and realized I w- needed to do this. Over time, it starts to become clearer I needed to do this. Then I was terrified. Then my ego wanted to fight with me because my ego was like, oh my God, not that. Like, you know, everybody's going to make fun of you and all these kind of things. So the, the spiritual journey back to yourself, I always say is like, it's, it's not an easy road, but it's an incredibly fulfilling road. And I'm more connected with myself and I know myself better. Um, and I sit with my truth much more than I ever did before. So I love it and I hate it equally sometimes. And I'm sure that you will probably understand that as well, because it's, um, it's something you're called to also. Mm, it is. And it's so funny because I, I look at our title, The Call to Spiritual Leadership, and I think, okay, I've always in my life been called to leadership. Very comfortable <laughs> with that, right? I've led from, I don't know, I, from as far back as I can remember. Leadership is something that's okay. And I, I had it in my path to like get really good at it and study it and inspire others into it. And it's been a major thread in my professional career. But then you put the word spiritual before leadership. And I honestly, I just want like an expletives come to mind. I'm like, like, seriously, like really, I've got to do that. Like, what? and it's so interesting because the call for me to see I can't even say I can't even bring myself to say the call to spiritual leadership um was oh gosh it like brought me life brought me to my knees before I was ready to really listen Mm. you know and and which it tends to do I think that that's part of the path because I think that part of the call is to heal yourself so you can help others heal as well yes and I and I, I think that's true and but what what is it about that that word spiritual and that sacred thing that that whole thing that is so scary it's so full of fear for so many people that and i think about my private client base now who mm. i'm helping them step into you know more of a spiritual calling with their work which is usually you know in in executive coaching or they're a consultant in corporate or whatever and they're helping other people they're being the guide like you said mm. but there's so much fear about showing this side of ourselves mm. i mean what do you make of that so for me, there's two. So one within society, you're not supported to do it. So let's call a spade right. a spade. Nobody's yeah. saying, knock yourself out, go and be spiritual this weekend. Um, and part of that <laughs> is what I call a, um, a misconception about what it is to be intelligent, um, a misconception about what our talents are, about how we work. So what I found, and I've done, a, I've do, obviously I do a lot of um, research, but one of the things that happened uh, when 
let's call it thousands of years ago was when we as individuals so as people we learned to write um, and then we obviously moved to print media what we saw was that the mind so let's call it the pure intellect was seen as being superior to our intuition our spirituality our creativity and um, so this kind of left brain right brain phenomenon um, and that has, for some reason, continued on true that people still see aspects of us like our intuition, creativity and spirituality as being lesser than the intellect, if you like, or the mind or rationality. So we have this, we've created this problem in society where if you say I'm spiritual, people say, oh yeah, whatever, but like, can you do an equation? Like, you know, it's like we've, we've decided that rationality is superior. And I'm not saying that spirituality or creativity or intuition are superior. I'm saying that the power we have as people is when we use our rational mind with our intuition and our hearts together. Now that's real power. But for some reason we bought into this old narrative that was set down thousands of years ago when we learned to write um, and when we moved to print media that we forgot our deep connection with ourselves and with our intuition and with our own power um, and we have literally forgotten that's the only way I can describe it that we've forgotten that this is okay and then obviously we now have systems in the world that only support a certain way of living and thinking and making decisions um, and they actively I would say try to discredit other ways of doing things so um, I suppose just to, to, to finish up uh, on that point and people often say to me oh you know are you not afraid to talk about spirituality and do people call you woo woo and I just say oh that's very convenient for the dominant paradigm isn't it to call me woo woo like I, I'm I'm I can I can work an investment and I can do all those things with my rational mind that I need to. But it doesn't mean that other parts of me, and you know this from leadership training, how powerful intuition is and how the growing research is there. So it's like we created a story about how all of these other things outside of the rational mind were lesser. Um, and as a result, we've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten what we can do, I think. Um, and I, a big part of my story is when people say things like that to me, I say, well, hold on a second. Where's your, where's your evidence base around that? And let me walk you through what we see from an anthropological perspective of how this has happened. Um, and also the power that there is around and the growing research base that they are around the importance of intuition and in our decision-making and so on and so forth. So I, I could go off on a complete tangent about this, but I suppose we have we created a story hundreds and thousands of years ago and we've stuck to that story and it hasn't served us and it's time to to rewrite that story about where what is um what it means to be human and um, where are what the most um human parts of ourselves are our intuition our creativity our ability to to be spiritual um, and i would just actively encourage people to to re-embrace that despite some of the resistance that you might find mm -hmm. And I love that because, you know, here you are, like our title is The Call to Spiritual Leadership. And people may have clicked on this podcast with a certain view of mm -hmm. who you might be. And, um, you know, and you might be some like, I don't know, hippie or something in a caftan <laughs> like you described. <laughs> and here you are, <laughs> and here you are, like your feisty, your warrior <laughs> spirit is out there. And you're like, look, guys, you've got to listen to this spirituality thing. Right. And I love that because you're actually embodying the paradox that it can be. Because for me, I think spirituality and working in this space can be, so I'm going to say this word, because I really don't have a good word for it, which is it can be messy. 
but life is messy you know, know. so and that's an, another side if we, if we only live in the rational world like we're not embracing the messiness of being human and I think that yeah. that's the beauty of being human and also like it is true like I had I was actually on the phone to an ex-colleague of mine the other day and I hadn't spoken to him in, in three years uh, and he said to me I just can't imagine the spiritual part of you and I said yeah and that was my mistake as well because mm. I assumed and like we all protect ourselves so for anybody listening I like I sympathize with you I have been you where we're walking into a very corporate environment we're all trying to prove ourselves it's very competitive I'm not going to start telling you how um, I went to a day retreat on Sunday because you might judge me um, and I have a reputation to uphold within this organization and I've written about this extensively over the last year and I just think when I reflect back on that isn't that the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard that when I was walking into work doing my job very well that I thought that I couldn't bring this part of myself with me but Jane the reality is I would have been judged for it not by everybody but by certain people so a big part of my work now is to question that and to say to people why are we judging people for this for being who they are for connecting in with a deep part of themselves and what I find most amusing is if somebody walked in on Monday and said I went to mass yesterday we wouldn't say anything but if somebody walks in and says I went to meditation yesterday which is becoming less um less alternative if you like because mindfulness is so big now but if they said I was at a sound bath last night or I was at a healing Mm -hmm. session last night people would think that was weird but that's just honoring their spiritual side the same way as going to masses so again despite the fact that we don't really talk about spirituality we seem to say it's okay if you go to mass because we don't think that's quite as weird but like you know if you're off doing a healing session or doing maybe group prayers or group meditation with people we think that's a bit woo woo which it just doesn't make any sense. That's your just individual method of practicing your spirituality in your life. And um, so I'm really, I suppose I do, I write a lot and I speak a lot. And obviously I, I am very passionate about this as, as it's probably coming across, but I'm a big, I'm like, let's throw the doors open. As long as you're not hurting anybody else, you should be able to express that part of yourself freely. And what I have found in my own life and what I understand from speaking to other people, and I do work around conscious leadership now, where CEOs are saying, when I'm able to access that part of myself and I don't have to hide that part of myself, I am much better at my job. I'm much better husband or wife. I'm a much better partner, whatever it must be. I have better creativity. So we release a part of ourselves that we're containing and keeping small. So I just think there's a huge amount of power in it and we just need to have more conversations and that's why I launched Exploring Spirituality which was all around let's talk about it let's make it less weird and let's empower each other to to figure out what what we need in life. Mm. Yes Um, and I guess you know one of the things I, I sometimes think about about you know the fear around this particularly in corporate organizations is that it's such a threat to the dominant dominant like and I'll say masculine paradigm because Mm. that's one of the things that gives us an insight into what it is but you know it's such a threat to that because it's such a disruptive force isn't it Mm. and I think about some of my client organizations and I think you know just talking to them about allowing people to bring their whole selves to work for example Mm. that's threatening so then when you bring in the spirituality and you know, and you start talking about soul and sacred, then mm. isn't that just gonna, like, aren't we talking about a very different world here? Don't we need to get rid of <laughs> yep. the other? Or I, is it an integration? Like, what do you see? Because as you're speaking, I feel almost like a 
this warrior spirit like coming in almost like kind of clashing with the dominant culture and i'm wondering do we need to clash or because i also know there's another side of you that i've also experienced which is more about being in relationship with and and you know there's a there's another side to this on the integration side and i'd love you to speak to whatever comes up <laughs> so I, I I don't like the idea that we have to have a fight and I don't like the idea that we like to clash. So for example, nice. um, a lot of the work I do, I do the work when I am requested to do the work. So I'm not running around corporate saying you have to listen to me and you know, this is my way of doing things. <laughs> Typically, and I'm sure you find the same in your work, that if I'm working with CEOs or I'm um, speaking at an event, they have come to me because they're interested in the space or they've seen me speak before. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I think there's enough arguing and fighting in the world. There's nothing wrong with passion. I don't have any problem with passion and I'm a very passionate person. But I, there's enough, yeah, there's enough arguments and problems in the world without us throwing in another argument for everybody to have. For me, the first step in all of this is if you're listening to this and that you're feeling called to have more of this in your life, then the first step is as an individual is to find your own, to start investigating what your own spiritual path is. Um, so it's very hard. That's why it makes it very hard to do work like this in, in corporates because um, you can't go in and impose your spiritual ideas on, on other people. Mm. Um, but from an individual perspective, call it what you want. And that's why I use the, the, the language, what does spirituality mean to you? Because perhaps spiritual, I have a friend who, um, I was on his podcast actually, and he said, I don't believe in God, but I feel, I, but I feel I'm quite spiritual. Now that's a really interesting conversation to have. So then we're really getting into what does spirituality mean to you? And for him, it meant connection, connection to himself, connection to his planet that's around him. For me, the starting point, and this is where it goes back to leadership and how within corporates, one of the problems with corporates is that leaders aren't doing the inner work. And that doesn't matter whether they um, believe in God or they believe in spirituality or not. But if you are leading people and responsible for people, you have to be doing the inner work to grow the person that you are. And call that spiritual growth or call it personal development, but it, it's absolutely um, necessary because you're impacting so many people who are working for you on a daily basis. And unfortunately, although it is getting much better in many corporates, um, the real, the, the CEOs or the C-suite aren't prepared to do the inner painful work that we all have to do when we go on a spiritual journey or a personal development journey, call it what you will, to really get to know themselves and to clear up the, to, to address our pain. Like, you know, there's, as I said to you, the last few years has been difficult for me because I've had to do an awful lot of inner work. Um, and that's, and it's another reason that I think that when you do feel cold, you ignore it because you're being called back to yourself and you know that that's not going to be easy. Yeah. So I think that we, you mentioned the word messy earlier on rational, <laughs> rationality, which I'm not giving out about rationality. Like there's a lot of, lot of things that I do that still have quite rational elements to them. Um, but rationality tends to be less messy. You know, if we're, we're speaking about perhaps just targets for the year or whatever, we're not getting into our emotions or our childhood wounds or things that we have a problem with there. So 
we stay in that, hoping that the other messy parts of being human and life and interaction and relationships in the office where there's always going to be a certain amount of conflict and so on and so forth, we can ignore them. But I always think that we can ignore them to a point and then they creep up on us because they're always running after us at some description. And it comes out then and manifests itself in either bad leadership or bad relationships or look around the world at the moment at um, some of the some of the leadership that we can see and you can say that they're certainly not doing any inner work you know so um i'm not sure if that answered your question no it, well it, it did it did and I, I love to hear you talk about the fact that you know enough with the i mean one of the things i think of is there's enough violence in the world and any oh, kind gosh, of like, yeah. you know conflict that kind of meets head on i i, I see that words can be violent so mm. I, I totally get that and and i'm kind of interested in um you know kind of i, I don't really know how to put words around this but for me what's in what's been interesting so i'll tell you what's happened for me in this space is that um you know i was really resistant like hugely resistant to and it felt a little bit like coming out of the closet <laughs> right and, and that really, resonates with me <laughs> right? and really opening up to this this whole conversation it felt like a new conversation i was going to start to be having and what's been so interesting is the bolder I become, right? The mm. more courageous the conversation and I take people into this space, the more that, that, that people who I would never expect, and they still sometimes do it privately and quietly, come up to me and go, oh, you know, this is something that's been around me for a while, but I just mm. haven't brought it out. And it's like, well, okay, so, well, let's, let's talk about that. Let's, mm. you know, let's get into relationship with it. And I just wondered what your experience has been, because I know we have a lot of executive coaches here that, that want and feel called into this space, into starting this conversation, but are really fearful of what will happen if they do. So um, let me, let me share with you my own um journey on that and I'll talk to you about what other people say to me so yeah. if I, in hindsight if I was to say why did I not go here before so one I was afraid uh, and I was afraid of what people would think of me but yeah. also also this is the most vulnerable part of me Jane this yeah. is the part that if I let out into the open and I show you that you might ridicule me I, and you're talking about my spirit my soul the truth yeah. of who I am the truth of who I am and it's much easier for me to be armored up and to um, to walk in somewhere and be prepared for all your hard questions and stuff like that. But when I go in with my soul and my heart and all of those kind of things and you say something to me, I'm not prepared for that and then it will hurt me. So I really had to build myself up to talk about this um, publicly because I had to be prepared for what people might say to me. So it's a very, very vulnerable position to put yourself in. So mm -hmm. to anybody listening, I really sympathize with you because I really, and I still struggle with it. Like I know I, I do yeah. sound like a, a bit of a warrior chick sometimes, but I really, it's an ongoing struggle for me. Uh, and it's something that I find that what I do when I have days where I just think, what am I doing? Or um, this feels incredibly like excruciatingly vulnerable um, and I usually sit down and I write something and I publish it because the what I've decided is if I feel vulnerable I need to be public about it because that's how I face my fear 
um, but also it's how I empower other people. So other people, and that's when we talk about spiritual leadership, it doesn't have to mean that you are out preaching. It means that you are first and foremost leading yourself, but then you're providing a space for others as well. So you're insp- if even if I inspire one person to say, you know, this is important to me and I want to speak about it publicly, my job has been done. You know, and I have provided a space for, to say um, to people that it's okay to speak about this. Um, and the question I ask myself all the time when I struggle, I always say, what's your truth here, Fiona? Because we can, we can give a dress, dressed up version that will be more palatable or more rational or whatever you want to call it. But what's your truth? And my truth is that I'm a deeply spiritual person. I believe that it's an enormous part of me. Um, without it, I'm lessened. My light isn't as bright. I don't feel as happy. Um, so I have to, I have a choice to, to either live with that or ignore that part of myself and be less happy. Um, but it's not easy because authenticity is not easy. And authenticity was a huge part of my research. And um, I always say that, like, you know, we throw around topics like, you know, bring your whole self to work or, you know, be yourself is all over Instagram. But we don't actually mean that. We mean be yourself in a way that makes um, me feel comfortable. So mm-hmm. sometimes I do still go out and speak about spirituality and I do get people who kind of I can almost see them recoiling from me. And that's painful for me as well. But I just I plow on because I think that this is the right thing to do. I think this is who I am and I don't really want to hide that but what I will tell you is exactly the same thing that you said when I speak at conferences or when I speak at an event and I share my own story about what 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 brought me here and then I talk about my research and what other people have told me there's usually a queue of people to speak to me afterwards mm. and it's not the people that you think it's going to be it's the yeah. pe- person it's the person <laughs> in the audience that you're, I, you're you're on stage thinking they've no interest in what I'm saying they just yes. they, they happen to be here but it's not they're the people who catch you over coffee and as you said they say this has been circling yeah. for me I've been reading books in the background do you mind if I have a chat with you afterwards and I'm always like absolutely no problem because I know what it feels like it is a lonely place to want to talk about a deeply deeply personal part of yourself and have nowhere to go because that's what we've created and so for for corporates even if you as a CEO or a CFO or whatever are not into this yourself which is completely your prerogative I'm not going around saying like you know going to try and convert everybody to live a spiritual (laughs) life that's not my thing but you definitely have employees who are struggling with this and don't feel that they have the space for it Um, and for me I don't think that we talk about that in terms of well-being enough Um, and like for me this is a case of like becoming whole Um, that I can't just focus on my mind or I can't just focus on my emotions. There's a part of me that's uh, intangible. Like, you know, I can't quantify that part of me, my spirit, my soul, my essence, whatever you want to call it. Um, But if I can't, I I can't, if I can't quantify it and I can't see it and I can't talk about it, there's this whole part of me that's not getting any air and not getting any sunshine and and like a flower, it's not going to bloom if that's the case. Absolutely. And I'd love to uh, speak about like, because we're, we're talking here about the resistance to this and the, and the places where people can't express this, even if mm. they might want to. And I just wonder about the cost of, you know, when you feel the call to mm. this and you don't answer it, like, what's your sense of what the cost is for us? Okay, well, 
I suppose from a personal, because I always say that, you know, everybody is called, but you have to choose to step over the threshold. So a bit like Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey, where it's, this is part of your life is to find yourself. So if we wanted to say, what well, what's the point of a spiritual journey? It's to find yourself, like, you know, to find who you are and what you have to give in, in the world. For me, I think if the only way I could describe it, and I would say I probably should have stepped over that threshold earlier and I didn't have the courage to do it earlier. Um, and when when you ignore the first call, like, you know, the, way the, there's the, the, the call always comes and you kind of, <laughs> you bat it away and say, I, I'm not going to do that. Um, so when you ignore the first call, um, I would say that there was just this slight discomfort in my life um, and I was searching for something and it sounds very cliched, but unfortunately it's true. I was searching for something that I could only find within myself and you know something's not quite right. So you take up another hobby or you decide that you're going to run a marathon and all those things are fine. I still run extensively and I hike and I like doing all those things. So I'm not... um, disputing that they 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 offer things to people but when you get to the end of that then you're still looking for something again where i find that on a good day it's not every day so i'm not living in some enlightened space all the time but on a good day because i'm doing the work that i love i'm reading and researching and speaking to people about their spiritual experiences all the time and if i do a meditation i just feel this deep connection to my heart it's like I'm surrounded by love and there is nothing more beautiful than that Um, and I think that when we don't answer the call then we're running around in our lives looking for that deep sense of connection which is is only in inside ourselves Um, but it's not as I said I, I always say it's not easy because it isn't easy and and you do have to put yourself above the um you have to kind of peek your head up and people notice you and they see you and all things that I wouldn't have been hugely comfortable with over, uh, three years ago. So I've definitely gone on a journey about revealing myself to the world because you can't do spiritual work unless you're willing to share your own journey. Um, and that's very uncomfortable when you start doing it. It's still uncomfortable for me today. So, But I, I just go back to the same question for myself all the time. What is your truth? Who are you? Why are you here? Who do you want to be in the world? And then I think nobody can touch you, Jane, because people are still going to say nasty things about me. They're still going to say that, you know, she's a bit woo-woo or she's like, you know, she's a hippie or whatever it is. But at least I'm not, at least I'm not lying to myself. At least I'm being honest with myself every day. Yeah. So, and I love what you're saying because it resonates so much for me in in my own experience with being in relationship with this. And then, you know, I I kind of look to our title and I think, okay, so we're really speaking here to the call to spirituality, but what about the call to spiritual leadership? Because isn't that redefining leadership? And, you know, for me, leadership doesn't necessarily have to be within organizations, but I just wondered what your take is on that integration with spirituality and leadership. So, yeah, I think that uh, I wrote an article recently and I think I said basically that I think that I was obviously having a warrior day when I wrote this um, where I basically <laughs> said, uh, no, it's interesting because you were saying earlier on about like, you know, I think a lot of people expect me when they meet me. And I always say I do have two parts to myself. You know, I do have a very strong, opinionated, articulate part. Um, and then I have a part of me that wants to nurture myself and look after myself. And I think in our world, we're kind of saying, pick one, you know, pick, pick right. which side you're on, where I actually think 
the beauty of being spiritually whole is honoring both parts of yourself. Um, but that's not the question you asked me. I think that when I was, I wrote this article, which was basically around um, how we've forgotten what leadership is in our world, that we think it's about power and that what our leaders in our world have shown us is that you can have power and never lead. And that's been really evident to me over the last number of years. And I won't name any names here, but it's mm-hmm. been, I think it's very evident to people, the, the leaders in our world who have power and don't lead. And it's been very clear during the, the coronavirus um, pandemic that that we've seen so for me leadership is not about power it's about two things it's about the ability to influence and inspire but it's also about truth so one of the roots of the word um authenticity is to exercise power but they don't mean it in this kind of it's a greek uh, root they don't mean it in this exercise power as in i'm going to exercise power on you they mean it as in exercise power from from your for, for yourself so how do i stand in my truth and then how do i inspire others to do the same and to me that's spiritual leadership Mm. so when I feel that I'm called to spiritual leadership the first part of that is to stand in my truth all the time in the face of of often to be fair not that often but sometimes I do get you know comments or whatever I more get the people who come up to me afterwards and say I'd really like to speak to you this is relevant in my life and I don't have anybody to speak to about it I just find that really sad Mm-hmm. Um, so for me spiritual leadership is about knowing I don't think that you can spiritually lead whether that's in an organization or outside an organization unless you know who you are and you can answer the question what's my truth and if you can do that then you can inspire others because I think that you first have to inspire yourself and like inspire and the word spirit come from the same etymology as well so I'm a big fan of words and trying to understand where they come from um, because I think that they reveal something to us about language that we've forgotten. Um, so for me to inspire is to inspire your spirit. And to inspire your spirit, you have to know your spirit. So you have to, uh, one, uh, acknowledge its existence, if you like. Um, so I think that's the first thing. Um, and then for spiritual leadership, I think it's really around saying that we are willing to have soft power, I would describe it almost. And when you think of like great spiritual leaders in the world, they weren't going around telling people what to do. They were going around living a very spiritual life and as a result, inspiring others to do the same. And so there's a softness to spiritual leadership, but also a great, great power to spiritual leadership as well. So um, I'm not sure if that makes sense. It totally does. It it does to me because one of the things I think about, about the calling, like one of the things I jokingly say when I look back on my life is that, you know, there's times where I had a job, then I had a career, then I had a career with a purpose and I had a business and I had business with mm. a purpose. Now I've got a calling. Mm. And in many ways it's changed everything. And when you there talked about soft power, like my relationships and I still have like different businesses. And like, I think of like, who Jane is and my relationship with the business that doesn't feel like a calling and it feels more like like the hard power it feels like Jane's thinking in her head about what would be a good thing to do talking to the customers and then doing it right in in sacred change makers it's very very different for me it's like I feel I'm following Mm. now Uh, it feels more receptive it feels like what you describe as soft power Mm. because it's just, and in a way, so this has been the weird realization I've had only fairly recently. It's been a little bit like, a, 
oh, you know, I can just rest in this business because mm. in a way it's so unlike business. I'm, I'm following where the work wants to go. I'm, you know, I'm noticing the synchronicities. I'm following the energy and the charge and the aliveness. And it's so very, very different. It's not out. It's not up to me to figure this out. Mm. I can have trust the journey. <laughs> yeah, I feel that way about my my business. So I don't, and we discussed this previously when we had a chat that yeah. I I couldn't tell you where I'm going to be in five years' no, time. I just know that I asked the question about what do I do next, and it was I went away actually, and I encourage other people who are this way inclined to spend. I always encourage people to spend time alone, but I actually took myself away on a night on my own last year, uh, and I literally went on a date with my soul, as I called it, and I sat down and I asked some questions about what do I need to do and out of that 24 hours away on my own together um, I came up with exploring spirituality so this series of projects around creating dialogue and conversations and safe spaces for people to discuss spirituality in their life um, and out of that has fallen four or five projects since so I do an ongoing survey which anybody who wants to go onto my website can take where I ask the question in less than 100 words what does spirituality mean to you and the idea is that I just continue to showcase the hundreds of answers that I get in so for people who are in the search or starting the search you want some inspiration go and look at the plethora of um, definitions that I've received um, I do things like I interview people um, using my research um, methodology to understand what spirituality again I'm all about showcasing spirituality and saying it can look like whatever you want it to look like don't worry about it you know just follow follow the the road for yourself um, and I, I tell that story a bit like yourself where it when you're for me it's always like just get in alignment meditate ask the question and the answer will come you don't need to have some big 10-year business plan around this and then the path just becomes clear as you start to walk it there are things that I'm doing today that I wasn't doing six months ago but as you said synchronicities appear um I'm put in contact with people. We were put in contact, yeah. for example, yeah. um, and and we were put in contact because we were <laughs> we were both openly saying, uh, "You were had launched Sacred Change Makers. I had launched yeah. Exploring Spirituality. If we hadn't openly said we were doing that, we would never have found our way to each other." Yeah. So you kind of have to be willing to say things out loud and take baby steps with yourself. I, like I always say to people, like you can jump on like jump on the net will appear for sure but be gentle with yourself because this is a very revealing process so take one step at a time and then it just all starts to become clear so when I have days where I think god what am I doing or you know or, this just feels incredibly vulnerable for me today I just do a meditation and I just think what's one thing you could do today that makes sure that you're staying on this path that you are and so I often I might write an article and say you know I felt very vulnerable about this this morning and um, you know I reveal a lot of myself and then I write the article and they're always the articles that I get hundreds of emails then saying oh my god that resonated with me so much so that has been my tool for I'm feeling very vulnerable today what will I do so I, I write about it or I, I record something and I put it on my social media and I've just realized that the more I'm willing to do that the more it resonates with people so I, I just continue to walk down the path and I trust that the path just continues to come clear which is very different to how I used to operate which was how can I plan and control everything so there's actually no chance that anything will go wrong but with that there was no chance of anything um, wonderful happening because I had controlled it so much you know so there was no spontaneity <laughs> 
or anything where now I just try and I, I set my intention and I try and let the universe sort out the rest of the details. So. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's what I love about this time that we're in right now, mm. which feels to me like, um, you know, soul making times for us as individuals, but collectively, I also think, and I heard somebody say this on a podcast and I can't remember who it was now, but I heard these words like this is a species defining moment. Right? Very much so. Yeah. Right. And it's like, who are we and who mm. are we going to become as we, as we navigate this, you know, huge uncertainty. And, and yet we've had the spotlight shone on the fact that, you know, we can't deny the fact that we're all interconnected now, <laughs> you know? And so I, I love these times I actually, and I don't want to deny or discount the trauma that I know is out there and the pain and all of that. But just to say that there's an, there's other experiences that are happening now. There's opportunities around this for us to maybe begin a different conversation, a different dialogue with life, maybe. Mm. And so I love what you're speaking to, Fiona. Yeah, yeah. And one thing that came up in my research, so this was on an individual level, but I really think that it, it transfers across now, is that there's no denying. Like, I mean, people, I, and I, I feel quite lucky myself because my family are okay and all those things. And I know that there's probably people listening who um, maybe a family member has been sick or has died or, you know, there's been huge trauma in the world. But one thing that I did find when I was interviewing people was they always talked about how the the big crisis in their life gave the most meaning and struggle through it. It led to huge periods of transformation. So my one hope is that we can take this crisis, which we've landed ourselves in, like, you know, that that's, we've, 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 we have created some of the problems that have led us here and we can use that to create a world which is better is more equal uh, we treat our planet in a better way we're more connected like we've so many problems that we really need to address and this is our opportunity to say well maybe i didn't have the courage six months ago but the rug has been pulled from under us now so this is a great opportunity to find that courage and to make a difference um, and that's where the old systems and old ways and old leadership um ways of doing things are just not going to cut it anymore mm-hmm. um but my my big fear and i discussed this with um, our good friend orla um a couple of weeks ago was that um my big fear is that the people who get us got us into this um situation are going to be the people who are going to try and lead us out of it and they are not capable mm-hmm. of thinking of things in a different way so for all of the rest of us who are more spiritually inclined, are more altruistic, are more want our world to be better. This is the time for us to stand up and lead, even if it's only in a small way, even if it's in the conversations you're having with other people, to say that there is a better way. And just because otherwise the the structures which are there before are always much more powerful. And the only way the change happens is through us as the people of the planet, speaking up, making a difference, coming together. And so, yeah. There's, there's big opportunity. We just need to take the opportunity and collectively cross that threshold and make a change. Mm, beautifully said. Thank you. Oh, gosh. I could speak to you all day. Yeah, I really <laughs> could. But um, if, let me just ask you a final question. Sure. If there was something you hoped we'd get to today, something you'd want to share with our listeners, what might it be? I want to share it with our listeners. 
I'm really tempted to say, don't be afraid. But honestly, I do think that's bullshit. Like, you know, we're all afraid. So, <laughs> that would like, let's, like, I, I think that I, I, I'm a real, I really hate sound bites because I just think that we don't help people. Like, you know, it makes it right. sound like, you know, I'm not afraid. I'm afraid all the time. Right. Um, and the chances are that most people who are dialing into your podcast are slightly afraid as well because look at the mm-hmm. topics that we're talking about. So, they're probably interested in them as well. Um, so, you are afraid and that's okay. But what's one thing that you can do today that would move you in the direction that you want to go? Because if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably called as well. Um, and what's one small thing that you can do just to start walking that path for yourself? And the more people who do that, the more we all go down that collective path. So that would be my encouragement. I know you're afraid because I'm afraid all the time, you know, so don't worry. There's more of us out here. So, um, and, the, and when we start having these conversations, we find each other. So yeah perfect (laughs) thank you so much Fiona I've enjoyed every minute of our conversation and I know our listeners are going to have got lots of insights so thank you so much thank you so much okay guys that's all for today thank you so much for listening in before we go though let me ask you are you passionate about change are you looking for more meaning and purpose in your life maybe even a little spiritual leadership if so we want to invite you to visit us at sacredchangemakers.com where you can sign up for our free five-day program awakening the change maker within and come home to yourself at your very core we believe that within each of us lies the possibility to unleash the full realization of human potential Change can be a regenerative force for good. All change begins within as personal transformation, which can then be expressed within our lives and our professions and ultimately creates a regenerative social impact in our world. Again, you can find our free program at sacredchangemakers.com. And I'm telling you this because our growing network of sacred change makers are actually our sponsors who help us to keep doing our work in the world. So if our episode resonated with you today, we hope you'll consider joining us. And for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all that you are in the world and the work that you do to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.